everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Richard and Steve and Angela. Hi. Good to be back. And we are back. It's the Becoming Like Jesus series. And we are in Luke chapter 7. We're just doing the first bit of chapter 7. We're nearing the end. It's like it's going to be Advent soon. We're going to have to decide whether to do some like Christmas meditations or something else soon. Well, Which we, actually could be really fun. We may get snow soon too, right? <laughs> it's getting a little cold now. Have, have you heard? Because <laughs> sometimes people, they predict the white winter. If you, you should just ignore my comment on okay. that because don't freak so out. So just to it's be clear, be that fine. is a scurrilous rumor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so, we're, yeah, we're going to, um, hopefully you have been reading Luke, spending time in it because we're not unpacking everything on Sundays or unpacking everything in the podcast, but we're trying to do enough, especially on Sunday, to focus on like something we feel like God really wants our church, as, us as a group, to pay attention to. And then we're doing a bit more of a, hey, here are some things to help you have handholds for some of the big ideas, and then hopefully that will help you <coughs> make sense of things, better sense of things, maybe the Spirit's highlighting to you as you read. But before we do chapter 7, I say the story so far. Maybe I should rephrase it. The story last week. Something well, like that. So, Last week, we're just unpacking a little bit more. You know, Jesus is continuing to sort of press in on this to this dichotomy of, you know, what it looks like to follow him as opposed to maybe what the world typically... Yeah how it typically sets up reactions yeah. and that sort of thing. Like two types of people, yeah. upside down kingdom values. Yeah. yeah. Actually, and the last two weeks we did chapter six and that is a lot of Jesus's teaching mm. and a shift now is we're sort of back to the action uh, in chapter seven. Yeah, so that's a little narrative. Well. Here's what's going on in the action. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm sure some of the chapter six stuff those themes of like this is the kingdom type person we'll keep referring back mm. to because the way Luke writes he kind of built tension where Jesus's teaching answered gave the answers and then what he'll do is draw on more of Jesus's actions and interactions um, but a lot of it continues to example those same themes as well so yeah yeah it's like there's a lot going on, but Luke's trying to get across some big points. So I'm sure we'll keep pointing back to love and, yeah, dependence on God and some of those things. And bouncing back and forth, these themes about the external and the internal, the heart attitude, what your actions look like to reflect yeah. it, the groups of people being the the Pharisees um, versus the disciples, and then Jesus being the the model and how in how to love. Yeah. So we've got kind of two interactions. So the first one is with a centurion, mm -hmm. and the second one is with a widow. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's talk about this uh, centurion. So we don't have centurions today. Um, 
So what well, are centurions? What's Richard? a centurion? Now, hey, I was asking, like Steve, what's a centurion? <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs> this is how it works, right? The last person. <laughs> this is the podcast, uh, the audio equivalent of putting a finger on your nose. That's right. <laughs> Steve's gonna break Darn it down for I'm us so right slow. here. <laughs> uh, so a centurion's got to be, you know, he's a Roman soldier. He's in charge of a century, right? Isn't yeah. that the way? So a hundred men. Hundred men. Um, so what would Although that be? Technically, it wasn't always a hundred, but. Right. Yeah. A large group of men. Large group of men. So, like in our vernacular, would that be like a, uh, you know, he's in the military, he's of a certain rank, he's probably a, yeah. a um, well, I'll show my ignorance. I don't quite yeah. know all the know. levels. A, a captain or a, a lieutenant, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, so anyway, he's got some status, some power, um, yes. um, position within um Within the Roman army, but also, you know, because he's Roman as well, he's got power over, you know, the um, mm-hmm. he's the occupying force. Yeah, here. and in, a Roman insider. Yeah, and more so, like someone could be a legionary mm-hmm. but not be a Roman citizen mm-hmm. yet. They were like serving in order to be, like to become an insider to the the like power structures mm-hmm. of the Roman Empire. But a centurion is like they've made their way in, right? Another interesting thing is in the Bible, centurions are always presented as like honorable, respectful mm. kind of people. Like they're, they're kind of they're positive examples. So there's something maybe in the ancient world here where centurions, even though they'd been soldiers or mercenaries or you know like they've killed people, they've but the they're kind of yeah portrayed or viewed as sort of honorable men, mm. which is kind of interesting as well. Because this centurion <coughs> is going to stand out, actually, the, in I a mean, couple Jesus, of ways. Jesus is amazed at him. Yeah. And for a good reason, which yeah. is great, because there's another time Jesus is amazed, and it's for a bad reason. That's right. And Jesus isn't amazed very often. So this is like sit up, pay attention uh, kind of observation mm. of this centurion. So I'm noticing in this first verse, um, you mentioned on our last podcast, Richard, how geography matters in Luke. Yeah. Um, So here we have Jesus finishing all that he's been saying, um, the people have been listening, and now he's entering Capernaum. Yeah. So where's Capernaum, Richard? Um, I think it's funny you say Capernaum because I say Capernaum. So you've thrown me off. Oh, okay. (laughs) Capernaum. So this is... Okay, wait a second. There's an A-U-M, so... I can't put it on a map. This is a place that Jesus was in and out of quite a lot. Mm -hmm, So this mm -hmm. is... It wasn't where Jesus was from, but it seems to be a waypoint or like a a home base. Jesus, him returning to Capernaum keeps coming up. Right, mm-hmm. this is kind of the very north of the Sea of Galilee. I want to say it's in the north. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. right on the shore. Right. As you hear the rustling of pages, yeah. yes, that's us looking for our, in our Bible maps in the back of our Bible. Because I put Richard yeah. on the spot, which you've got really tiny writing, and I don't stand a chance. Yeah, there it is, yeah. right on yeah. the north shore, on the shore. of Galilee. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Full okay. extra smiley face sticker for Steve. That's right. He's got it. <laughs> I'm trying, well, I'm trying to place it. I remember. I've, remember I've visiting it? Here. We visited yeah. there. And so I'm just trying to think of where we were driving mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember that north. day yeah. well. Yeah. So it's a fishing, <coughs> fishing town mm-hmm. yeah. on the edge of Galilee. And so the, we get the setting of the scene. The centurion had a servant mm-hmm. who was sick at the point of death and was highly valued by him. Mm-hmm. 
And the centurion heard about Jesus and he sent the elders of the Jews to go talk to Jesus about his servant. And spoiler, he's going to be asking Jesus to heal the servant. Mm. Mm. So straight away, I can't help but remember back. This is the beautiful thing about like reading, 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 letting it get in you as you like spot the connections. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah. Didn't Jesus have a to do with the Pharisees quite a few times about how, like how should you value people? Mm. Oh, you know, like you, know, you can't heal them on the Sabbath because right. you know the right. Sabbath's more important. Like so, so there's something that Luke's already been doing to show us that Jesus, the way Jesus values people, is different. And so then it's really interesting that a centurion, a Roman, not a Pharisee, you know, a Roman, here is an exemplar of caring for a slave. Right. Yeah, because this right. word servant here, here, I mean, this is probably, do we think this is a, a, a Jew, an Israelite, this servant? I mean, it could oh. be any number of... Yeah, I uh, don't know, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's any clues here about the ethnicity of the servant. Yeah. The, the centurion probably would have been um, someone not who'd been proselytized to become a Jew, but was one of those like uh, in between. Like I'm not, I'm not a pagan. Right. But I haven't been proselytized. So like the court of the Gentiles, mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you yeah. know, knew about Yahweh, honored Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. And so he would have had a uh, sketchy. Seemingly, he's an outsider to the Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's something really unusual about this man yeah because the jews we're not going to read it all but like as you read you'll see they brag on this guy they're pleading with jesus yeah. they plead with jesus him. so they really care about the centurion's mm -hmm. request they mm -hmm. really want to honor and like do something for the centurion mm -hmm. the elders of the jews and they their way of like Oh, you don't know him, but how can we like level up your estimation of him, Jesus? So you'll be motivated to do something. He built us a synagogue, mm -hmm. which for a for a like Roman occupying centurion to be the person paying for the building of a synagogue and being a patron of a synagogue. Like having that connection of like I'm for this expression of Jewish religion and culture is Highly surprising. Yeah, there's it, something that sets him apart. It, yeah, yeah, it already kind yeah. of gives you this sense that the centurion has had some sort of transformation by being there yes. already. Yeah. Well, and he's heard about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. He goes, something's wrong yeah. with my servant. Well, I've heard and the thing about is, him. Jesus's public ministry has not been going on for a long. Right. So it's not the centurion <clears throat> heard about Jesus and built a synagogue to get his servant right. healed. The centurion heard about Yahweh, the God of Israel. Yeah has had some sort of like Yahweh's real. He's the real deal. I'm gonna build these I'm gonna build his people mm -hmm. a synagogue. I'm gonna honor Yahweh and honor his people. Yes. And then he's hearing about Jesus. And I mean we don't know all the details of like ex all the things he believed about Jesus, but we know some of the things he be like so he's heard about Jesus's power and he's heard about Jesus's authority. Mm. Or he's, or he's heard about some of the things Jesus is doing and has recognized those things in Jesus because those are the things he vocalizes about Jesus. Like I, 
believe you have power to heal. I believe you're able and I believe you have authority, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and there's something about really interesting about the centurion where he's done all these great things for the Jews and what to him would be an itinerant rabbi he says man i'm not even worthy for you to come under my house yeah there you get a sense of of this humility yeah and and almost i uh, you know i can't help looking at the other side of the page and thinking about these beatitudes and he just talked about um Mm -hmm. you know uh the poor and and talking about humility and then yeah and all this and here we've got a guy um, that's expressing this. He clearly has power himself, yeah. and he's not enforcing his power. He's actually he's saying, hold on a second. There's something different about you that I've heard about, yeah. Jesus, that I'm not, you, 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 know, you shouldn't even come into my house. <laughs> and it's not like a false humility, cultural, yeah. you know, kind of just norm here. Because a centurion was a, somewhat like we would call it i don't know like middle class standing you mm. know it's like it's quite bourgeoisie mm. <laughs> but, you know, mm. so he's the kind of person that would have been used to like honoring people by having them in his home and throwing banquets right. and you know things like this um i can't help but wonder as someone who's like in between cultures i'm like i'm a mm. roman and trying to be a good centurion but yahweh's a thing but i'm not a jew Mm. maybe f- maybe because uh, luke often tells us stories of jesus interacting with the marginalized and mm. the outsiders mm. even though this person is an insider to rome he's still on the like he's still f- himself is acting like an outsider by saying to jesus like i i i'm not I, i'm not an insider you shouldn't mm. be in my house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so this is jesus almost crossing the centurion's own boundary he's put up of like i'm not an insider Mm. and and jesus then still coming and healing the servant this is like jesus crossing one of those boundaries to reach someone who's the outsider and which is a big big theme in luke by the way if you'd like keep spotting those marginalized people like women widows the poor Mm -hmm. yeah tax collectors yeah and i like how um he talks about that he recognizes Jesus's authority as one who has authority over his own soldiers. Yeah. Um, he recognizes uh, the authority of Jesus and the power that he has in able to heal, in order to heal. Um, and, and he, rec- I mean, I guess, you know, how would he have been able to recognize this apart from, from God opening up his heart? Yeah, I think so, because he would have heard Jesus has power. Mm -hmm. But there's something where he's recognizing the divine nature of Jesus's power. Of like, you know, you don't need to come. You don't need to be present. You've got divine authority. Just say the word. Mm -hmm. Just say the word and do it from there. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. Well, and is he even asking here? Um, Because they're asking on his behalf, right? These, these, uh, the the elders are asking on his behalf. He's yeah. just basically saying, hey, you can't come under my roof. 
you know, so I, he's, I recognize he's sent your power. The so he's yeah. initiated the okay. request. So okay. he's exercised the faith, but mm. it's like a cautious mm-hmm. faith. You know, there's there's some interesting, oh, yeah, there's yeah, humility, yeah. but I wonder if there's a kind of, I don't know. I, I it almost like you can say no if you want to, Jesus. Right. You know? Well, and they're, they're like the Jews are pleading because they honor this guy. They value this guy. He built them a sin. And he he's also sends his friends. And his friends come and um, they express the kind of humility. <coughs> um, but the centurion's faith of like, you know, if you just say the word, the centurion, like he believes, that, mm. like that's enough. And so. So Jesus uh, is astounded, right? He yeah. hears this and he was amazed. Well, and Je- this is interesting because, Je- like, the beginning of this is he's sick at the point of death. So we've got, like, the blue lights are flashing, yeah. the ambulance is outside the house, like, the paddles are out to resuscitate someone. It's like, it's that kind of moment mm-hmm. of, like, oh, we got to, like, act now. And Jesus actually, like, pauses and says, um, like, he marveled, turned to the crowd following him. Yeah, like he didn't just say to the person next to him as he as he continued rushing towards the house, kind of thing. Um, turned to the crowds and said, "I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith." And I know it's a short sentence, but to pause at that moment is like that really elevates what Jesus wants to point as like there's something really important going on here. Like this guy's faith to pay attention to this kind mm, of faith this mm. is really important and i wonder as, as i'm just reading that paragraph over and over like in that moment i mean clearly he he, he did the healing away from the, the servant right yeah. um and i wonder like what was the exact moment that he that he made that miracle happen in in yeah. this scene you know was it like after he says, I tell you, I've not found such great faith, even in Israel. Boom, he's healed. Like, was it, it doesn't say, but well, I just wonder. It does, because they return to the house. So if he's at well. the point of death and they were like a three-day journey away, no, like probably not. This is probably all happening in a local area. Right, yeah. local area. So they return to the house and don't find the servant had turned the corner and his fever might be breaking. They found him well. well. So how does that tell so you at when, some point, exactly when? Someone's like watching this servant mm-hmm. and they see something quite dramatic mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, but it doesn't say here. No. I want to know. I want to know more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe everyone like left the room for a second. They came back here and then this, uh, like, who knows? The servant then came out like, hey, where'd you guys all go? Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> What's all the hum? Yeah, we just don't know. Uh. Yeah, there's a kind of surprise. Yeah, it would have been a surprise. Mm. And and the interesting thing about this as well is I wonder whether the servant was aware of any of this going on. Mm, Like we don't don't know the nature of his sickness, Mm. right? So someone else is exercising faith on his behalf. On his behalf. Mm -hmm. And then he experiences healing. Oh, what does that remind you of? So we're like, what's that like? Yeah. Uh Yeah. That points to Christ on the cross. Yeah. All right. Um. But I see, think this is just a picture of God's grace, his mercy, his power, his sovereignty. Yeah. It's all right here. Yeah. His um, and the Jesus ability being able to, to heal see at a distance is great because 
Jesus is at the convenient. right hand of the Father right now, mm-hmm. but that's not a problem. He mm-hmm. can still, he can you still and me. do that. <laughs> yeah, and his ability to see hearts. Yeah, you know what I love? Uh, honestly, this verse six is just always. It's so simple in here, but this. So Jesus went with them. This notion of Jesus always going, stepping into the brokenness. Mm-hmm. You know, but he he just. Who knows what he was doing, you know, what his agenda was in the meantime, but he he sort of pauses and steps into it. And I see that always, like, where are... Where it's am such I? A, that's such a pattern in yeah. actually all of the Gospels. It's Jesus' like interruptibility. He's like moved by compassion. Yeah, um, yeah it just where there are needs, they have a big yeah. influence on what Jesus does. And, and what it reminds me too, always when I think about this, is um, you know this uh, this notion of Jesus will come meet me where I'm at. He will mm-hmm. he- hear me. He will n- know what I'm going through, know my circumstances. And as I call to him in faith, yeah. he comes to me. Yeah. It's not something I have to... Like, I'm, this sick guy didn't get out of bed, have to get yeah. transported It wasn't conditional. Yeah. 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 So I love that. Which is like... The, I mean, that's the grace thing. You yeah. said that word, mm-hmm. Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there's a an unconditional response by Jesus. Mm-hmm to do something about it. Um, he's responding to the great faith. Yeah. Hmm. And was, why do you think he says great faith? And he's comparing it um, to other faith that he's found, even in Israel. I, I think it's the rec- it, actually the authority thing. Mm-hmm. Is um, because praying for things at a distance has, like there's lots of examples of mm. that in scripture or in the Old Testament they would have been familiar with. And so I, I th- yeah. Mm. I mean, a, a lot of the healings are localized actually, now I think of it. But like praying for rain, praying for things happening elsewhere, like mm-hmm. that does happen. But yeah, actually mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hard pressed now. Of course, I haven't memorized all of the Bible, but hard pressed to remember a healing mm-hmm. that wasn't local mm. in nature. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is an element of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's it's a recognition of authority because mm. the, the centurion chances so much on that belief. He does. It would have been, e- been easy for the centurion to say, hey, you shouldn't come under my roof, so we've put the, se- the servant outside. Or you shouldn't, like, I, I'm not worthy to be around mm. you, so I'll leave, come and heal the servant. Like, there's all of these things he could have done mm-hmm. to do to deal with maybe the perceived problems of, like, how can I be around Jesus? But, but the thing he does to solve that problem is to say, you're so powerful, you've got so much authority, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Mm. So he's got such an elevated view of Jesus. So I, I think it's less like what he trusts him for, like healing someone from the point of death, mm-hmm. and more that sort of elevated How view of Jesus him. and God and God's power working mm-hmm. through Jesus that the centurion has. Oh, I like that. That's so key. It's not what he's asking, it's how he's asking. Yeah. Do, right? you, do you think I, the uh, I like that. I was getting a slightly different 
take on this insofar as... Is this the nice way of saying I disagree completely? No, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I really like it's that. It's a yes and. But I, it's yep. a yes and because is it... This, this centurion wouldn't necessarily have been fully versed in all of Torah and all of law, etc. wouldn't have had that. And I almost see him when he says um, such great faith, even in Israel, it's almost like he's saying, look, you've been sort of on this road of, you know, sort of growing in knowledge of Torah, etc., as a way to kind of build your faith on information. This guy probably had very little you know, like yeah. deep understanding of God's word, but he acted on the what he did have, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, these scholar, you know, people yeah. all so around his him. Faith, I don't know. It launches off. Maybe, maybe there's something about he hasn't got as much of a heritage to build confidence for this kind of ask of faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it, so it's it almost elevates. The, the yeah. scope of that. Yeah. Ask. Gosh, you took this little bit yeah. of you know insight as to who I am, yeah. and, and you went all in on it, yeah. as opposed to there it is. Yes. all you know mm-hmm. Israel. You've been you've had you know centuries yeah. of yeah. in depth study of of scripture, mm-hmm. and you still don't see me. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. not recognizing my authority. You're not coming to me with these kinds yeah. of asks in this way, yeah. in the mm-hmm. way that he did. Yeah, I think it. Gosh, I love it. It's it's in the how. Mm-hmm. It's in the how. Yeah, mm. I think it's also really cool because Luke writes the book of Acts, mm-hmm. where a main concern is to show that this isn't just Israel's story. This right, is the world's right. story. Mm-hmm. It's about Gentiles too. Yes, and so we have a story now in Luke where <coughs> this healing happens because some Jews are on a mission. Mm. and some Gentiles are on a mission. Mm. So it's the Gentile friends and the Jewish elders. It's because of both of them that this thing happens. Coming so together a, with one cause. There's a kind of cause. coming together, bridging mm. the like, worlds colliding, kind of beautiful mm-hmm. like foreshadowing of some of the future yes. in this little moment here mm. as well. Yeah, I love it. Um, which is really cool. So now there's mm. another miracle. Yes. And so this one's quite different. The se- like <coughs> the setting the scene in the first one began with a need mm. and that need reaches out to Jesus mm-hmm. and pull like asks him in, invites him in. This one, the scene is set and there's still a need, um, but no one reaches out. Jesus just reaches in. So it's it's mm. so it's quite different. Mm-hmm. And so it's it sort of Jesus is traveling around. So now uh, a town called Nain, I guess. I don't know how we're going to say that. How would you that say that? Is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, since, since looking at maps is uh, one of the things of the day, apparently. We're going to make you thumb through it right now. Oh, Nain is quite a long way away. So it, it is, um, it's about 10, 10 to 12 miles uh, southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Ah. Okay, I see so, that there. Yeah. Yep. So quite a long way away. Um, so he and his disciples are there and a great crowd again, which is, I don't know, it's worth remembering that sometimes I think we have, a, maybe this is just me, like a picture in our head of Jesus and the disciples pottering around and like this happens in a corner, but it's really cool. And this happened over in this alleyway and it's cool. And it's like, <laughs> no, Jesus is like got crowds people all the time. Lots of Everything people. is, it's almost like, 
uh, media attention. Mm-hmm. Like there are camera vans, there's helicopters overhead, like all the time. A sea of people. Everything's really being seen and mm-hmm. done, done and said publicly. So, mm-hmm. um, and as they drew near to the gate of the town, so they're going in the town, probably because this is what Jesus is doing, going from town to town, teaching in the synagogue mm-hmm. and healing the sick mm-hmm. and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is going, so Jesus, we, we kind of know from his pattern <coughs> which actually we didn't say this, he was um, sort of interrupted in the centurion story. But here again, he's being interrupted. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is on the way to do the thing he's going there to do. Mm -hmm. And then as they're drawing near the town, there's a man who's died being carried out. He's the only son of his mother and she's a widow. And there's a big crowd with her. So there's like a, there's a funeral happening basically. Um, and it, I don't know. So it sets the scene of a need. But in this scenario, like, where's the faith? Right? Right. Where's the, never mind amazing faith, but just faith. Like, there's, we don't get any indications that anyone in this funeral procession saw Jesus, knew who Jesus was, wanted to see anything happen. They are just. Uh, and even if they did know, the picture we have is just of them focused on grieving. Mm-hmm. Like they're focused on the sadness and the pain and the loss. Because what's happened, like the the amplification of this not just being, oh, death is tragic. Like any mother having to bury a son is like doubly tragic. Mm. And a widow. Her, it's her well, so so why is a well. widow significant? So it's her only son. Right. So it elevates it again. And a widow. So she's basically destitute here yeah. because yeah. if her husband's die, you know, her her livelihood is dependent upon her yeah. son now. You have no um, economic has, yeah. or social stability mm-hmm. without a male mm. in the ancient Near East. Mm. So this so was her mm, life. Her is life just over. and her son's life over she's been, right now. Now she's a beggar, mm-hmm. effectively. And then, it At, says, so she's dealing with gr- like, like the layers of grief, like the amount of things she's grieving at, at this point. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's beyond just amazing. Yeah, which, which also I think we shouldn't read this scene as oh they were consumed by grief and didn't even notice Jesus. What a bunch of idiots! Like, no, I think it's completely understandable and okay mm-hmm. the way this scene plays out. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't say anything to tell them. They right. should have. Hey, why didn't you notice like anything like that? Yeah. Why didn't you ask me? So, so I and I actually love this because I've know I've had moments or moments with people where um, it's impossible from within myself to generate some hope, mm-hmm. right? And that's the kind of moment she's in—a moment of hopelessness. Right, mm. and Jesus sees, he has compassion, and he speaks to her and says, "Don't cry." Yeah, mm. I'm like, he's gonna heal her. That's mm-hmm. like, that's gonna be like heal. Sorry, the son, which is gonna be beautiful, but there's something simple and so beautiful and powerful about this that Jesus he he interrupts his journey. Because he sees, he understands, he's like her concern becomes his because he he's motivated to do something, not because of his concern, but because of hers. Because of her life, her pain, mm. 
her need, her grief. And so he's that like that having compassion, being moved by compassion is like empathy that compels action. It's like such deep empathy yeah. Jesus has. And and this is the classic like stereotype we have a stereotype of like western males so it's like well let's solve the problem yeah. like and so if you've ever wrestled with that and like what what compassion and emotional health around grief is um like jesus sort of acknowledge rather than solving the problem actually interacts with her grief mm-hmm. you know and and it's interesting because, um, you know, in the healing of Lazarus, Jesus joins in weeping. And like, I don't know, it doesn't say. So we don't know what Jesus did here. But, you know. Well, but we, we see a pattern of, just like you're talking about, I think we see this pattern throughout his default position response is always compassion. Yeah is just in particularly for these marginalized yeah. and it's at, i mean these two stories we've got we've got people kind of on the outside you know centurion a little bit on the outside and, and she's certainly you know as a widow now um and no son you know she's yeah. way on the outside as well and um but so think, they tell different I think stories in Lazarus, like yeah. with Lazarus Jesus weeps and doesn't say don't cry. Yeah. Because uh, they've they've already been in a dynamic of like, oh, if you could just come, maybe you could heal him. There yeah. was there was hope. Here, there's no hope. So yeah. I think Jesus needs to like acknowledge the grief yeah, yeah. and introduce hope. Yeah. It's so about him saying him saying don't cry oh, puts yeah. a question in the scene of like why? Yeah, why wouldn't they be crying? Right? Mm-hmm. So this woman now must be like amazed because a rabbi has stopped his journey with a huge crowd following to interact with her, a widow, who is the person in society who doesn't matter anymore. Like, so, so Jesus, is, Jesus <coughs> is stopping everyone's day for someone who that crowd didn't would not have thought mattered. And he's ministering to, at first, her heart, not just yes. the situation mm, after. Mm, yeah. It's first addressing like you said, with compassion. Um, And again, I want to read between the lines. I want to know that in the moment that he said, don't cry, how did that make her feel? Yes. That she was being seen and understood by this rabbi. Maybe she didn't know who he was. But was there something inwardly that changed within, you know, um, in those moments before the healing happened? And I think really making her think like, oh, well, why? What are you about to happen? Mm It's worth underlining. Mm -hmm. But in our culture, you know, we have a especially a generational aversion to the expression of emotion. So, like, you know, if someone's crying, we hand them a tissue. It's a way to say, please stop crying. This is, like, uncomfortable and a bad thing. In the ancient Near East, like, you would hire people to cry at funerals. <laughs> you know, like The mourners. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so crying, yeah. totally normal, totally comfortable, totally fine, totally good. So for Jesus to say don't cry is actually quite unusual here. Quite unusual. It would be normal for me to go up to someone and try to comfort them by saying don't cry. Like maybe if your emotional expression haps, mm. the emotional stop and you'll feel better. Mm. That's not the ancient Near East way. Mm. So Jesus is saying something unusual here. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to think, 
like and I love the like being seen. Mm-hmm. I think that is just like epic mm-hmm. in this scene. But mm-hmm. then like has the question and then Jesus like he doesn't say anything else. He walked up and touched the funeral buyer, which is unclean. Yeah. For any Jew to touch, let alone a rabbi. Let alone a rabbi. Yes. So he's breaking taboos, you know, like just shocking people to touch it. And then F1 stood still with probably like goldfish Their mouth, like jaw jaws dropped. on the floor. Yeah. And just says, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And that would be amazing enough, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the centering on the woman and Jesus wanting to minister to her and f- her feel like God sees you, God's caring for you right now, mm. is he gave the young man to his mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the reconciliation. The restoration. Yeah. Uh, like... Because there's something about this story which is like, wow, Jesus healed someone from there. Jesus is really powerful. That's definitely a conclusion. Like, that's a takeaway. But there's something really unique about this story where Luke is able to show us, like, Jesus' ability to see someone who everyone else thought didn't matter, who had no hope or source of hope, and for Jesus to, like, draw close to and just change the narrative of those deeply like hurtful, painful, grievous dynamics of having become someone who doesn't matter, like having become someone who wasn't worth seeing, who had no hope, like to have all of that turn around in a way like, I mean, I can only imagine, I don't know, if I didn't know Jesus, like if I came into church with with a dead son and someone healed them, that I would kind of melt to the background and the crowd would look at the healer and the son. Yeah, this this really but reframes. Jesus the story. is like, this is not about you, crowd. Yeah. This is about me and this woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like Jesus is he's not showboating. He's not doing this for attention. Yeah. He's not trying to go like, hey, here's a viral clip of me healing a son. This is about him having compassion on this woman. Yeah. And like everything else in the scene melts to the background. Yeah. And there's something about like this is love. Like that ability to be attentive and focused and like give yourself to where someone's at. And like Jesus, he does this in like such a profound way here. I find this so endearing about Jesus. And I look at also the... I mean, I think for all the ways he could have done this and why did he do it this way, um, he, he carries out the healing by touching him, a very unclean thing to do. The, and then he commands with his word, young man, I say to you, yeah. get up. So That's that authority theme it's again, It's authority right? theme. It's also a participation theme yeah. of, the pers- of, the, of the young man. Um, mm-hmm being asked mm-hmm. to do something, being asked to also participate, to respond. Mm-hmm. There's a response mm-hmm. part to this that um, we've been talking so much about the woman the and the mother and and her heart, but, but the dead man, because this will be his testimony too. And yeah. he, he's going to be going on to care for his family. Um, he's living with a, a new purpose now, um, being healed by God. 
and what that might look like for his life and his testimony. I'd love to hear that story someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then we get the, um, I guess, influence of this on the crowd. So fear seized them, which, yes, if you see someone raise the dead, that's going to give you the heebie-jeebies, right? So I think fear is like, this isn't like, oh, it's fear of the Lord. It's like the nice kind of fear. It's like, no, I think they were actually like, what the frick is like? <laughs> this is kind of scary stuff. Yes, yes. Um, but they also glorified God. So they saw like God, that this like God is at work. They could have thought it was sorcery. There yeah. were magicians in those days, right? Yeah. So, but immediately a great prophet, they right. praised God. They and, said, God, God has come has to help. God visited his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I love like the language that, because the, they probably said lots of things and Luke picks up on that phrase. Yeah. So this it's is like the Emmanuel. Jesus, God, yeah, God with yeah. God visiting his people, which is like the beginning of Luke's gospel. Yes, language I know. He uses. <laughs> and then Jesus visits this woman. Yeah. And then the people, like, because of God's power, are able to see God is visiting. But I wonder how much the way Jesus treated this woman mm. tweaked their idea of what the word God visiting his people would mm-hmm. mean. Ooh, right. Next level. It's just it's sort of interesting yeah. mm-hmm. what they've just because what they watched was a very abnormal thing, right? For a rabbi to pay attention to a woman, touch the unclean funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fire, on multiple accounts. Like all these things. Yeah. Like every time, like Jesus stops, yeah. goes to the woman, <gasps> touches the funeral thing. <gasps> You know, it's just like the instant breath the, from the crowd the boy, at every stage. The boy raises it yes. and comes alive. To talk. Yeah. And no wonder that they were all filled with awe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, of course <laughs> they were. Understatement. But that second part, and praised God for it. There it is. Yeah. You know, there's somehow, and, and you see in this, this sort of this, you know, whether, it, like you said, this young man's recognition of God's authority to do this, of Jesus's authority to do this. Mm-hmm. Um and there's is suddenly the light bulb perhaps is coming on about mm-hmm. there's there's a new sheriff in town <laughs> almost yeah. yes. you know there's well, and it like yeah. it says the report spread through the whole of Judea so it's basically yeah. and this went viral yeah yeah and so this this is enough of a significant thing it's like healing from death yeah that um it's like this breaks the categories in a way that everyone has to talk about it because it's something different. Mm. It's like something fundamentally different is happening in the world, mm. which, which is sort of is interesting. Like this relates to the, like even the term gospel, good news, you know, it's like, why is it good news? Well, and you see, go back right up before it talks about this news about Jesus spreads as God has come Yes. To help his yeah. people. <laughs> so within a certain yeah. storyline of things, yeah. like certain headlines are good news only if you're invested in a certain story. Yeah. Right. So it's just sort of interesting that this report spreads. Uh, I think it just it interacts with the sort of messianic expectation mm-hmm. of people, which is going to create opportunity and hardship for Jesus right. because people have got some wrong expectations as well. So... 
this report spreading here is a, this is a little bit of a watershed moment of like some dynamics are going to mm. change after this as well. Yeah, with each miracle, there's more announcing of who Jesus is. He yeah. reveals another part to who he is. And sometimes he says, don't tell anyone. This time he didn't say that. And the news spread throughout yeah. Judea. Yeah. How could anyone keep that a secret, raising someone from the dead? Yeah. But yeah. it it's going, the message of Jesus is going viral. And um, and it's exciting. I, I love the way Luke mm. kind of incrementally lays out these these miracles yeah. to demonstrate his purpose. I think there's like an object lesson in the kind of God that, that Jesus is, that God the Father is. Um, it, it sh- this shifts our interaction with people as ambassadors of Jesus from, I, I, I'm sort of making up a hypothetical here, mm. but like, the sort of, well, do you believe in Jesus? Like, have you prayed to accept Jesus? Because if you have, maybe we could pray for you to be healed. Mm-hmm. To, do you know what? You don't know this, but God loves you and wants to do something because he sees yeah. your pain. Yeah, very different. Right? Very different. It's just our, our ability to approach people with confidence that God sees and wants to do something. Um, is elevated by this story, and I, I, and it's almost it it shifts from does that person have faith? Will they ask? Could I get them to ask? To I have faith. I've this is the kind of mm. God Jesus is. I'll ask. Mm. You know, or <laughs> even I wonder how many times in history Jesus has just been moved by compassion and done something. Mm-hmm. You know. But it's just sort of interesting, the like that word grace again, the yes. sort of unconditional nature of Jesus's used like utilizing his power to heal. I love that. And it's just like the way that he speaks to the heart and addresses the heart and how we can be we can do the same when we share with others what we know of Jesus and how how we're, we've experienced him firsthand because he sees us and he knows us and we can speak that kind of truth into someone who maybe has never been seen, never felt like they've been seen. When yeah. you speak to others with the matter of the heart, um, doors open. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I love that. It's that simple, um, you know, those simple words of like God sees you and it doesn't matter he sees your pain period whether or not you the condition of you know where you stand in terms of your relationship to him anyway he sees you we don't know this widow if she was a uh, you know what her beliefs were um, but it doesn't really matter God still saw her and he sees people in pain he sees mm-hmm. people as individuals where they're at and so that message of God loves you he sees you you believe in him or not he does yes yeah yeah um yeah i, re- I remember like here's a practical thing i remember being affected by like this story and some others like it and thinking you know sometimes we go up to people and say can i pray for you we see a need mm. but then we want to ask permission which is uh, courteous so that's fine sure 
But I think sometimes what's going on in our heart is we're like fishing to see if they have faith or even making it conditional. Like, well, if you're not going to know I'm praying for you, God's not really going to get glorified. So, so we make healing utilitarian to God glorifying himself. Um, and, and there is a pattern of like God heals, uses his power to like confirm who he is, to reveal who he is, mm. to get people's attention, to draw people close, you know. But also God does it because he just actually That's wants who he is. to make the world better. Yeah. And so it's like, you know what? And, that, and it is courteous. Like, can I pray for you? But if you just know someone's not going to want you to pray for them, then just pray for them. Yeah. Don't go, you know, anoint them with oil and stick a hand on their forehead. Just like pray for them. And so it just just being stirred to think like, oh man, I, I want to grow in um, compassion, feeling like I wasn't very good at it. as like a new Christian, like early, early 20s probably. And so I would like sometimes when I would pray in the evenings and lived like in a city, I would just leave the window open and you would hear like, Shouting, screaming, mm, mm. A bumper cars, sirens, and just asking God to allow, like, to reveal what could be happening and to pray. And just to be, to allow myself to be moved by the needs. And it wasn't even I saw, because I, I felt like watching the news was overwhelming. Right. <laughs> I struggled with watching the news. Mm -hmm. But just what I could hear, you know. That's powerful. And it's a sort of, so, and I would say that like deeply grew me. And it's a sort of interesting thing in this story. I think it helps me banish any lie that God doesn't see me or isn't interested mm. in me or anyone else. It elevates in me, it stirs in me faith and expectation for Jesus to move. But it also shows Jesus' compassion in a way that, like, the last chapter, you know, love. Yeah. And makes me think, okay, I got some growing to do. Like, would I, when, would I hear a need and be stopped and compelled not just to pray but to cry? And would you stop everything yeah. in your tracks? Yeah. And the answer was a clear no. Yeah. But creating space for a practice of praying for needs and asking God to move me. Mm. Like, I like, love would, it. like you have a heart that's moved by this. Would you share it with me as a prayer practice? Yeah. That was deeply formative for me. Very emotionally draining. Yeah. I couldn't do it for long. But I've done it a few times. But yeah, that's, that's just like a practical oh, suggestion. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, is that, is, oh. is, I guess finishing on something practical is good. And we've talked yeah. for yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a while. So, all right. Our, our pipe dream of doing these podcasts, and we're like, yeah, we'll just do like short 20, 30 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. It'll be that's like, it. yeah, that's gone. <laughs> so, I hope you're enjoying listening and managing it. And if you're like, really, guys, shorter really would be better, you have to come find me, Steve or Angela, yeah, and encourage us to be shorter. Tell us, please stop. But if you're like, no, it's all good, <laughs> then that'd be good to hear too. Yeah. Okay, so that's enough for today. Hope that you have a rich time reading and praying as you interact with uh, the beginning of Chapter 7. We'll be back next week for the next part. Absolutely. Take Thank care. you. Bye.